can understand and grab hold of. Well, for those of you that don't know me, I'm John uh, Miklas, the lead pastor here, and it's great to have you here with us this morning. Uh, as you heard Roddy mention, was able to spend last week uh, in sunny Southern California in the San Diego area with um, uh, my friend J.R. Uh, he's, uh, he's my brother from another mother, and uh, you know, um, uh, we got a chance to spend time with each other. You know, it was funny, we uh, for those of you who don't know us, we have the same initials, same hair color, same height, you know, a lot of similarities. We're out in public, and somebody says to us, are you two brothers? Who asks people that in public, you know? But we got to ask that when we're out there. So anyways, uh, JR is a, a spiritual director. He provides spiritual input to people all along their faith journeys. Uh, for those of you that know him, he recently wrote a unique book entitled Year. You can get it on Amazon. I encourage you to check it out if you're looking for something to stretch you in your faith journey. Had a chance to do a podcast with him out there, so... Uh, a lot of cool things. See some people from CCC that have relocated out there that have been a part of my life for years, and uh, even some of those that serve in our military. So great opportunity for me to be there. Uh, Jeremy did a great job wrapping us up last week uh, with our giving series, and if you're here for part of that, didn't catch all of it, I encourage you to go online and listen to that message from last Sunday. Uh, just a real clear challenge about being generous. And so it, we, we each need to look at what is God calling us to do to take a step towards generosity. And uh, Jeremy's message last week was, I'll give when I have enough to give. And so I encourage you to go online and listen to that if you weren't able to be here with us last week. It was a sunny summer afternoon, uh, the middle of June, and I had just finished a 12-mile bike ride when suddenly my chest felt like it was on fire. I didn't know what was going on. I uh, stopped my bike. I went over to the side. I laid down, tried to take some deep breaths. Couldn't quite figure out what was happening. Um, eventually called uh, my friend uh, Bob, and he came and picked me up, rushed me to the hospital. They hooked me up and discovered I was having a heart attack. The last thing I expected at 50 years old was to be having a heart attack. But fortunately, I was in the right place, and they were able to put in a couple stents, which I watched on a TV screen. The whole thing take place. Quite fascinating and was back on my feet within a week or so, within two weeks, able to do a lot of the things that I enjoy. And after that experience happened a couple years ago, I had people consistently come up and ask me for the next several days and weeks, how is your heart? And I would say, well, I'm alive and breathing, so I guess it's good. Uh, I don't feel any pain, so that's good. And the doctor says I can do everything that I did before, and so that was good. Um, but after a few months, those questions would wear off. But then occasionally, for the next several years, even just recently, someone will, who knew about me, knew about what happened to me, we just hadn't crossed paths, would ask me this question. They would say, how's your heart? And I would stop and pause and i think, okay, how's my, how am I feeling? How's my relationship with other people? How are things with me and God? And I'd start to go down one of those tracks and they'd be like, no, 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 I just want, how are you doing after the heart attack? And I realized, oh, they don't really want to know how I'm doing. They just want to know how my heart is. That's all they really wanted to know. Um, and because it wasn't as important to them. And I imagine this morning when you came to church or when you came in, you might have asked or been asked a question that's similar to me being asked, how's my heart? And you might have just been asked this question, how are you what? Doing. How are you doing? And you might have answered this question in one of three ways. Maybe you said, today's the best day of my life. You know, you know, my team's in the Super Bowl and I'm looking forward to them playing. And if they win, it'll be better than any other day. And a lot of you experienced that last year around this time. You know, so today's the best day of my life. Maybe some of you, when you were asked that question, you simply said, life sucks. You know, it's just bad, awful, horrible. I'm here, but I don't know why I'm here. I'm just here, you know. 
But some of you, when someone asks you that question, you immediately scroll through this Rolodex of thoughts. And your first thought was, um, they don't really want to know how I'm really doing. Your, your second thought was, I'm not really going to tell them how I'm doing. And your third thought was, we don't have enough time for you to hear how I'm really doing. And so you responded with this statement saying what? I'm fine. I'm fine. And that's the, series, that's the title of our new series. It's entitled, I'm fine. And we're going to spend the next couple weeks talking about something that's not physical, not about our heart condition physically, but our heart condition emotionally and relationally and spiritually. You see, after my heart attack, I had to make some decisions. I was doing some pretty healthy things up to that point in time, but the doctor said for you to not experience and to lower your risk of any future incidents, you need to do a certain few certain things. So I take a little tiny aspirin every day. Never did that before, but the doc said this will help with thinning your blood, minimize the risk of those things happening again. And so I changed a few of my habits so that my heart would function more effectively. And over these next few weeks, we're going to talk through and walk through some habits and some steps for you to take that I believe will help your relating heart to function more effectively. Now, as soon as I said we're going to talk about the part of you that feels, all the non-feelers internally in the room rolled your eyes at me. I know you did. I saw you do it. You know, And all the feelers internally, your hearts just jumped for joy that John's going to talk about this and you're going to get to talk to your spouse and nudge them throughout the whole service you know, about this. You know, But I want to speak to those of you that are non-feelers. Okay, How many of you... Is a yes or no? How many of you don't respond? But how many of you have someone in your life that you love dearly or are close to who feels deeply? Do you have someone like that? Yes or no? Okay. How many of you want to connect in a meaningful way with someone in your life who feels deeply? Most of you likely do. And if that's the case, this is important for you. This is important for you. Because the things we're going to talk about over these next three weeks are things that will help you take steps towards connecting with them in deep and meaningful ways that I believe God has designed for you and that you long for in all of your relationships. All of them. We're not just going to say one's better than the other. We're going to say God has steps He wants us, all of us, to take. Here at CCC, if you walked in the lobby, you might have seen a sign on the wall that says this. Let's say it together. Love God fully and love others deeply. And we're going to spend the next three weeks looking at this bottom half, the love others deeply piece. Because we believe that that's what God want, how God wants us to relate to one another. This comes from 1 Peter 2, where we're invited into these kinds of relationships. Love others from a deep, impactful place in our lives and in our journey. And so this week we're going to look at this, we're going to ask this question, how's your heart? How's your heart? I'm not going to hook you up to an EKG machine, although my watch now can do that. Hook me up to an EKG and tell me, tell me how my heart is. You know, we're not going to check your pulse. We're going to check on your relating heart. Second, we're going to talk about some healthy emotional habits. Some of you say, John, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I want to, but I don't know what to do. Come back next week. We're going to talk about some habits that you can start putting into practice that will help you grow in this area. And the last week, we're going to talk about something that affects all of us, and that is good grief. Good grief. Grief. So that's where we're going to go over the next few weeks. So let's dive in. Where do we start? Well, you know where we start? We start with Genesis 1.27, all the way in the very beginning. God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created 
them. You know, the Bible's really clear that when God created us, literally God stamped in us His image. Stamped in us His image. You say, well, what does that mean, John? What does that mean? Does that mean I'm, I'm, I'm like God? Well, in some ways you are. You are. Now, it doesn't mean that you know everything all, the, all at once at the same time. That's God's omniscience. He's all-knowing. No, that you didn't get that part of it. It doesn't mean you can be everywhere present at the same time. That's another part of God, is omni- His omniscient. Um, it doesn't mean you're all-powerful. That's His omnipotence. But God did stamp some things on your heart and on your soul. Every person who's in this room today, every person who's alive. Theologians usually break it into three things, you know, mind, heart, and mind, heart, and will. But I've kind of broken that down for us just to talk about it. So the mind is our ability to think. Our ability to think is God's image stamped in us. Another part of God stamped in us is our emotions, our, the way that we feel. Another part that I've come to discover is our deep desires. These are the longings that are placed within us to be significant, to be loved, to know our value, to know that I matter, to have purpose. These are things stamped in us by God. And lastly is our will. That's our capacity to make decisions, to decide what we're going to do. Now we are going to focus in this series on the emotion side. That's the one we're going to give attention to us. Uh, that's what we're going to focus on. You say, why are we going to focus on the emotions? Well, the reason we're going to focus on the emotions is because do you realize that your emotion is the first thing that happens to you all the time? Not your thoughts. Not your thoughts. Even if you're a deep thinker, even if you're someone that thinks about everything, not your thoughts. You see, that's why when you're watching a movie and you feel a tear in the corner of your eye, you're like, where did that come from? Your emotion comes first. That's why when you have a knot in the pit of your stomach... Your emotion comes first. When your voice gets choked up, your emotion comes first. We're designed by God to feel first and then to think. You say, well, why are some of us more thinkers than feelers? There's a conditioning that takes place in our lives over time that moves us towards one or the other. But we're designed by God to feel. Our emotions are, and we're going to talk about this over the next few weeks, our emotions are like dashboard lights that tell us something is going on inside the engine. When someone's voice goes up like this, you know something's going on inside, right? When they start talking really fast and you can't understand what they're saying because they're talking so fast, you know something's going on inside. When you see a tear or they pause, something's going on inside. And that's the image of God that has been stamped on our hearts. I want us to look at a few verses, and we're going to go through these on the screen. Um, I'm going to go through them fairly quickly, but if you want to jot some of them down, to look back at them a little bit later, that tell us and illustrate for us about the emotion of God. Genesis 1, verse 31 says this, God saw all that he made, and it was very good. What emotion does that word very good, God seeing it being very good, what emotion does that point to? Anybody? Any idea? What do you think? Take a guess. Joy. joy. It's the emotion of joy or the emotion of delight. Genesis 6, 6. Here's another one. The Lord regretted that he made human beings and his heart was deeply troubled, sad, remorseful, even angry. Exodus 20, verse 5. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Wait, wait a minute. Jealousy. That's not a good thing. No, 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 no. No, jealousy is not a bad thing. 
That's an emotion that God expresses. You say, how can that be a good thing? Because jealousy, when expressed appropriately, is a desire for something that belongs to you, that has been pledged to you, given to you, and it's taken from you, and you are jealous to get it back. That's what God feels towards us. Because He's made us, and He's created us in His image, and He longs to have a relationship with us. And when something else takes His place, God is a jealous Now, envy, when I want something someone else has, that is sinful. Another emotion of God. Isaiah 42, 15, the prophet Isaiah is talking about God. He says, for a long time I've kept silent, been quiet and held myself. But now, like a woman in childbirth, I cry, I gasp, I pant. Intense, intense emotion. Jeremiah 30, verse 24, the fierce anger of the Lord will not turn back until he fully accomplishes the purposes of his heart. Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Hosea 11.8, my heart is charged within me. All my compassion is aroused. Intense emotion being expressed there. Jesus, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he was about to be crucified, he said this. He began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. There was grief taking place in his spirit that was so great, he thought he was going to die even before his crucifixion. You say, what was the grief that Jesus was feeling? Was it the abandonment of his followers? No, I think the grief that Jesus was feeling is knowing that his father, who he was one with, who experienced this amazing oneness with, he was about to be separated from him and God was going to turn his back on his son when the sin of all of mankind was placed upon him. And the aloneness, the abandonment, that Jesus would feel in that moment when he bore our sin was crushing to the point of death. Earlier, Jesus said he looked around them in anger, deeply distressed at what? The stubbornness of their hearts. And in Luke chapter 10, verse 21, at that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. You get a glimpse that God is an emotional being, that God is emotional, that there's a lot of emotion that's there. You see, when emotion, is, when emotion shows up, when emotion is felt, that is the image of God stamped on our hearts, stamped in us. It's Him in us, Him in us. And when we feel this emotion, what do we do with it? What do we do with it? Some of us sit on it, we don't quite know what to do with it. Some of us, we act out on it. And some of it, we bury and stuff and suppress it. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But for most of us, in our faith journey, in the context of church, as we look to the Bible, most of us, you remember that chart of the mind, the heart, the deep desires, and the, and the will? We focus on the mind and the will. That's where we focus on. What are we supposed to think? What does God tell us? This is what we should think. We kind of focus up there. We also focus a little bit on the actions. We shouldn't do this and we should do this. We should stop doing this and start doing this. A little bit on the deep desire. We rarely enter the world of emotions. We rarely go there. The truth is, everyone feels. And these feelings come from God. Frederick Bruner, a preacher, said this, when tears come to your eyes for some unexpected reason or you have a lump in your throat, that is a sign that the holy draws near. When you have a knot in your stomach, God is near. When the jaws in your face tense up, 
God is near. When you're trembling or shaking, or adrenaline is pulsing through your, your bloodstream, God is near. When your heart rate is elevated, God is near. You see, God screams out through our physical bodies. He screams out through our physical bodies. Have you ever had someone to say to you, are, are you nervous? Are you scared? Are you excited? And you're like, why? And they're like, I can see it in you. But we can't always see it in ourselves. Some of you are thinking, you know, John, all right, I get it. I know, I have emotions. I don't show a lot. You know, other people show a lot. I show very little, but, but does it really matter? Does it really matter? Let me ask you this. See those lights? Those are things that come up on the dashboard. Um, what happens if you ignore those lights for a very long time? Some of you are laughing. Some of you have had that experience, you know. Um, you know, some of them, there's a little gas gauge. What happens if you ignore that light? You're not going to be going, right? You're going to be stuck on the side of the road, right? What if you ignore that the battery, the engine, the battery light? What if you ignore that or it's overheating, the little temperature gauge there? You ignore that. What's going to happen? You're going to be stuck. You're going to be stuck. And if emotions are the dashboard lights of our soul and we ignore them, then we put ourselves at risk of being stuck emotionally, stuck relationally with the people that we treasure and love the most. I love the way Allender and Longman described it. They said, ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality. Listening to our emotions ushers us into a reality, and reality is where we meet God. Emotions are the language of the soul. They're the cry that gives a voice to our heart. Often we turn a deaf ear, pay attention to this, through emotional denial. What's the matter? Oh, nothing. I'm what? Fine. Distortion, it's over-exaggerated. Or disengagement, we can't handle it and we walk away. Dads, what do we do when our kids are crying? What do we say to them? Stop crying. It will be what? Okay. Right? And what does a mom do? A mom comes alongside, sits there, we fear the crying will never end. It'll go on for days and weeks and months and years. That's what we as dads fear. So we've got to shut it down right there, right? You know? But what do moms do? Moms come alongside. They're what? They're present. And they offer some comfort. And what happens? It comes down, right? It comes down. But what have we just done? We've shut down. We taught them to disengage and deny what's going on. And we've all done it. I've done it. We've been guilty of it. Some kids are angry. They're fighting. What do you say? Stop. Stop being angry, right? right? We stop it. We shut it down. Why? Because for some of us, the fear of things being out of control, for some of us, the emotion frightens us, and we disconnect from all of that. We've been taught these things. It's been patterned for us. We've been taught that emotions are bad, that anger is bad. Anger is not bad. Anger is part of the God in us. It's what we do with our anger the way it comes out that is wrong and sinful. That's why Paul said, be angry, but don't sin, because anger is an emotion. It's what we feel. And when we pay attention to those, look what happens. In neglecting the intense emotions, we're false to ourselves and lose a wonderful opportunity to do what? To know God. We forget that change comes through brutal honesty and vulnerability with God. So if this is part of who I am and what God wants me to be attentive to, what do I do? What do I do? 
Well, the first thing I want to encourage you to do is pay attention to your emotions. Pay attention to your emotions. As some of you are writing and taking notes, if you're not, I want you to grab the pen in the seat in front of you. Everybody's got a pen in the seat in front of you. So grab the pen in the seat in front of you. Grab the pen. Pull out a piece of paper. If you've got a piece of paper, grab the card that's in there. Okay, I want everybody to do it. Some of you are staring at me like you don't think you should do this. I want everybody to grab a pen. Come on, everybody grab a pen. Grab something to write with. Okay? Grab a pen, grab something, because I'm going to walk you through an exercise that I want you to do every day this week, one time. All right? Grab a pen, grab something to write with. And I want you to write down three words, three words, that's it, that describe how you're feeling right now. And it can't be fine. That's not one of the words. Okay? Or I'm here. All right? Three words to describe, and it can be how you're feeling about anything in your life right now. All right? Three words. Give you about 20 seconds. So I had some time to think about it. So one of my words is excited. I'm, I get a chance to speak. I get a chance to share with you God's truth. It's something that I feel like God's uh, given me a passion for and given me some giftings in, and I get a chance to do this. I'm excited. Uh, my second one is concern. You say, why are you concerned, John? Well, I got some car issues that I got to take care of. I got a car I'm trying to sell, settlement with insurance about another car that was in an accident. So I got concerned about getting all that stuff resolved. And uh, the third one is um, um, I'm anticipating or hopeful because I'm going to hang out with some friends tonight, watch some football, and I'm looking forward to that time together with them. Uh, now, some of you are like, well, John, I got one. That's all I got. I got one. Well, that's good. I'm glad you got one. So here's my assignment for you this week. Here's my assignment. First thing you need to do is you need to go home and you need to Google feelings chart. Okay? You need to go home and Google feelings. There's like hundreds of them out there. I got a couple here that I can show you. So this is a wheel. You can take the wheel, take the chart. There's 300 emotions, 300. Guys are thinking like, I got two, hungry and angry, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's it. That's all I got, you know. There's more, you know. There's a lot more. And our wives, females often have access to a lot more. It's the way God's wired them, but he's put them in both of us. It's not right or wrong, good or bad. It's just different, just different. And I want you to sit once a day, I don't care when, and just sit and be honest about what's going on inside of me. Right now, what's going on? Maybe it's sitting over breakfast. Maybe it's over dinner with your kids. And you say, let's just talk about what's going on. Because like, oh, Dad, just blame me. Say, Pastor John told me we should do this, you know. Um, you say, why is this important? Because if God is going to show up and God is going to meet us in those places and we don't slow our lives down, slow down the RPMs, take a few minutes to sit and think, we're going to miss a chance to meet with God. David knew you had to sit and do this. Look what he said. He said in Psalm 4, he said, Search your hearts. Just be silent. Be quiet. Be quiet. Search your hearts. He said in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. You know, is it joy because of something God has provided? Is it sadness over a response of one of your kids? Is it angry about the way you were mistreated? Is it... Um, is it pain over something that someone did? You say, why are we doing this? Get in touch with our softer side? No, no. We're doing this because we get a chance to meet with God in the midst of our emotions. You see, that's what's demonstrated for us by Jesus in the garden. When he was there in the garden, he met with God the Father. 
and his soul, the crushing sense that he was going to be separated from God the Father, the crushing sense that he was going to take the weight of all of mankind on him, and he was going to be abandoned by him as God would turn his back. He pleaded with God. He said, this is what's doing to me. Is there some other way? And in the end, he met with God, and God said, no, this is my way. And he surrendered to it. He surrendered to it. You know, sometimes we're, we have stuff going on inside and we don't always know why. So when you feel those things, you write down those words, so why? 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 Sometimes we can get clarity on it. Sometimes we can't. And so we ask a trusted friend, we spend time with a counselor or a therapist to say, hey, can you help me sort out what's going on inside of me? If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 55. I want us to take a few minutes and look at Psalm 55. Um, just to get a glimpse of how David walked through this. Psalm 55, it's page 459 in the Bibles that are there in your seat. Psalm 55, uh, David says this in verse 1 and 2. He says, listen to my prayer, O God, don't ignore my plea. My thoughts trouble me and I'm distraught. David says, there's stuff just going on inside of me. It's tearing me up. He says, my heart is in anguish. Terrors of death, fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I mean, this is, this is excruciating stuff that's going on. You say, what's happening in David's life that he's feeling this way? If you read down a few verses later, what you discover is that somehow, in some way, David has lost a close friend. We don't know who that friend was. We don't know if he was killed. We don't know if he abandoned him. We don't exactly know what or know why. But something has taken place in David's life to lose someone that he treasured. And it almost felt like more than he could bear. But as he comes towards the end of the psalm, he says, As for me, I call to God, and somehow he rescues me. I cry out my distress, and he hears my voice. And so when we call out to God, he shows up in our lives, and he meets us there. You know, most people would, after spending a little time with me or just even you listening to me on Sunday mornings, you might say, John, you're, you seem to be a pretty emotional person. And while it's true I express emotion, for much of my life, I didn't feel any emotion. You're like, what do you, what do you mean you didn't feel? Well, you know, you feel sadness and you shed tears. I never felt sadness. You didn't feel sad. No, I never felt sadness. I would see horrific things on TV. I would not feel anything. I would go to an exciting event. I might yell and scream. I didn't feel anything. And I didn't know at that time, but what had happened in my own heart and soul, and the way I describe it is, my emotions had been dead bolted shut like the door in an inner city crime infested place. They were there. God had put them inside of me. He had stamped them inside of me. But I did not feel at all. I never felt angry for much of my life. Never felt anger. I only exploded in anger two times, but I never even felt anything. Something came out. You say, well, what's all the emotion? You know, see you up in front of people, you get emotion. Emotion would blindside me, like hit me in the back of the head. I never knew when it was coming or where it was coming from. Never knew why. Never knew why. 
the course of a conversation with my wife, we began to have a conversation, a dialogue about this. And she said, there's a lot of great things about you, but there's just something going on on the inside that there's something missing, something not right about just how you come across and the, how others experience you and how they feel being with you. And so I'm a student. I, I love to learn and read and study. And so I, I read every book I could find. I talked to every person I could find. And, and I still didn't make any progress. Spent five more years trying to, to uh, think my way through my feelings. It doesn't work. Let me just tell you, it doesn't work. So I finally went to a trusted friend and I said, can you help? Can you help? And uh, I'll never forget one of my first conversations with my counselor. He said to me, he said, he said, John, you're one of the most angry people I think I've probably ever met. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm the coolest cucumber you've ever met. I never get angry. Little did I know. Little did I know. And what took place for me in my life is through the help of another, God had to walk me down this road to slowly start to unlock those deadbolts in my heart and in my life. And I remember the first time I felt anger. It physically hurt. Physically hurt. Um, I remember when it started to come out. It was a little scary. It was a little scary. Um, I would tell my wife, you know, I, I think right now I'm in emotional kindergarten. That's where I'm at. You know, kindergarten, you're learning to write. It doesn't look good. I said, my emotions are coming out. It doesn't look good. It's not very nice. And after a while, she said, can we put it back in the, and bolt it back up? I was like, no, it's out of the bag. It's out too late. You asked for this. No, you got to live with it, honey. You know. Um, but in the midst of all, the reason I tell you that story is because... In the midst of that journey, I met God in ways I've never met Him before. He showed up. He revealed Himself. He taught me things about Himself. He was present with me in my thoughts, in my heart, and in my struggle in ways I've never experienced before. And so when I say God wants to meet you there, I'm telling you that out of my own experience. I'm telling you that out of the truth of Scripture. I'm telling you that, that God wants something for you. That you might be saying to yourself right now, I'm good with not feeling. I'm good with just having a little bit of emotions. Or I'm good just being way over the top with my emotions. And I'm saying, God wants you to ask some hard questions. And He wants to meet you in both of those places. And He wants to reveal Himself to you. When God met me there, God was always saying to me over and over and over again, John, will you just turn this over to me? Will you just give this to me? Will you stop trying to do it on your own? I, I was trying to do this on my own. I was trying to fix myself. And God said, would you take your hands off of it and just surrender? Because all I want is your heart humbled before me. And that's what David said. David said, invite God to be at work in your heart. In Psalm 51, David said this of God, You don't delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. I would have brought more sacrifice. 
You don't take pleasure in burnt offerings. I would bring more burnt offerings. God said what? My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. And God, you're not going to despise that. You see, that's where God wants to meet you. God's design is not for you to stuff and bury your emotions, even if that's what you were taught and what was modeled for you and the way you live life right now. God's design is not for your emotions to take over and to overwhelm you and everyone else around you and paralyze you so you can't function in life. That's not God's design for you. He wants you to meet Him there with a humble open heart saying, God, here's my heart. Here's this part of me that I don't really even know what to do with. But I want the people in my life to be loved and valued and treasured just like you have done for me. And that's what he invites each one of us into. As you head out this week, your assignment is to do two things. Go home and print out the feelings chart and once a day, stop and say, what's going on inside my heart? And then say, God, can you meet me there? Can you meet me there? Because he stamped it in you, and he wants to meet you there. If your heart is ready and your hands are open. I invite you to listen to this song as we close, and would you make this your prayer? Take all I have in these hands and multiply. God, all that I am and find my heart on the altar again. Set me on fire, set me on fire. Oh, take all I have in these hands and multiply. God, all that I am and find my heart on altar again set me on fire set me on fire here I am God arms wide open pouring out my life gracefully broken my heart in awe of your name, your mighty love stands strong to the end. You will fulfill your purpose for me. You won't forsake me. You will be with me. Here I am, God.
pray that this week we can offer our hearts to you and uh, with arms wide open saying, God, here's my heart. Um, help me to be attentive to the things that are going on inside of me that you have placed inside of me. And more than anything, God, help me to meet you there. God, we ask you to do this. We need your help. We can't do this on our own. In your name we pray. Amen. So God has stamped his image on your heart. And this week, as you identify those emotions, he wants to meet you there. Have a great week doing that. We'll see you. There's a song in my soul.